Hey everyone, welcome to Plant Personalities. This is episode 12. I am David, aka PV Plant Guy, and this is a podcast where we talk about all things behind social media, all things plants. Today I am very excited to have a very special guest, Ryan McAllister, who is a TV star, a reality TV star, and Martha Stewart's personal gardener. I am ecstatic to be chatting with you today. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Happy that you're so excited to have a little chit chat. I know. I'm going to go a little bit fangirl here and I'm going to tell you like I'm going to start this show right off the bat with a bang and say you were the person that I said I wanted to meet when I <laughs> did my own interview, when I quote interviewed myself. Oh, well, I'm flattered with that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean We've known each other for like quite some time now. Like we've chatted through Instagram and everything, but like we've never actually officially met. Just like with a lot of people on social media. Yeah, I mean it's been a couple of years now, and I think it's when we first started chatting and doing the plant stuff is when everyone was still really locked down and couldn't do anything, and it just evolved from there. So I'll put you in then too, the first one that I'd like to meet. So. <laughs> Well, I guess we got that question out of the way. That's usually the last question I ask people, but I guess it's the first one. So there we go. It's a nice turnaround. Um, yeah, yeah. So how's everything going on here? And I know you just got back from vacation out in California and you're in New York right now, right? Yeah, I'm back in New York. Um, I'm from California, so I don't necessarily consider it vacation. I consider it going home, even though I've lived in New York for 12 years now. Right, so, right. What part of California? I'm from the suburbs of LA, so where it's always warm and sunny, unlike where I am right now, although today's not really that bad. Right. Uh, I mean, I can, um, I'm actually looking at my window and there's not a cloud in the sky here in Northeast Florida. So, um, I'm sending you some sunshine. It's not that bad actually today. It's kind of warm. I was able to walk outside in a t-shirt for a little bit. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That is awesome. Um, so you're. So you're like occupation, you work with plants for a living. So I'm so curious. I don't think I've ever talked to you about like how you got into what you do. So like a lot of the, I guess I can preface this by saying like a lot of the times, like I talk to people about houseplants, but you're like a full on like gardener. So you do like work with all types of plants, which I think is fascinating. So can you like give us an overview of like how you ended up where you are? Yeah, well, like you said, I do plants in general. So honestly, I kind of have house plants a few notches down on my list, even though I have to take care of them every day. They're not like my main priority. So I kind of, I kind of, I don't want to say ignore them, but I kind of don't always give them the importance that they need versus everything else. But I know that's like your main area. Although right. you've been doing well with some of the stuff you've been doing outside, saving your palm trees and all that kind of stuff. So you're getting there. Oh, I don't know about that. We'll have to talk about that a little later. Yeah, we had a freeze oh, in. Um... I, I saw. I saw. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of embarrassed, but it's life. But as far as me, I've done plants like my whole life. My dad and grandma were real into gardening and plants. So I learned from a young age and have pretty much always done it. Like as a kid growing up, just it was around mixed into turned into like a chore then like a hobby. And I've always kind of done it on my own. And then 
Um, in addition to that, that's what I went to school for and specialized in. And ever since I started working, all of my jobs have been in the plant field for the most part. So it's just kind of part of who I am. It's hard to kind of separate the two. So I've touched on most aspects of it. Right. Um, so where'd you go to school at? I went to one of the Cal State, Cal Poly out in California, one of the ag schools out there and majored in biology and horticulture. So close to home, it made it easy. I didn't have to like travel for school. And the fact that I'm from Southern California, it's that's like plant capital of the country. So it would have not really made sense to travel back east to learn about plants or anything. Right, right. Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, I, I always say that if I wanted, if I went back to school, I would go back for like landscape architecture or something. Um, <laughs> but I feel like it's too late. <laughs> I feel like I'm already like. No, it's of... never too late. Never too late. And it's changed too. I don't know how it is now because I mean, I graduated college 20 years ago. But I remember when I was in school, plants were important, but they were still kind of breaking it up. So I did the more science aspect of it in horticulture um, and learned about plants in and of themselves. Um, and then they had separate parts of the degree that you could choose to do where it was the people who did like the landscape architecture and the design and all that. So they kind of learned about plants, but that was almost like an afterthought or they just had a couple basic classes and they learned more about design and all those kind of techniques where I did the opposite. I had a few classes in that and have done that before, but I focused on like the plants in and of themselves, which to me is more interesting, more fun and more important, I think. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, so, I mean, you, so you say you kind of ignore houseplants. So what plants do you work with on a regular basis? Well, I, I don't ignore houseplants and I have <clears throat> at work, there's a million houseplants that I actually take care of. I think because that's basically my office is in a greenhouse, so I'm surrounded by them all day long. So I ignore them in the fact of, I don't have that many at home, partly because I know the conditions that a greenhouse can give to plants and I know they'll do that much better. So instead of fighting and struggling with stuff. Um, and I also kind of tend to have blinders on over the years where when I've had houseplants at home, because I'm surrounded by them all day long, I kind of go home and ignore them. I kind of blank them out. So I'll focus more as far as home, having more easy to care things like succulents and all that kind of stuff and a few little odds and ends here and there. But otherwise, as far as, what I'm focused on is pretty much anything outside. I'd say vegetable gardens and flowers are my specialties, but pretty much anything outside is kind of within the realm that I have to deal with. So do you eat the vegetables that you grow or? Yeah, what I'm do, allowed to what... take home whatever I want. So I grow in the, I mean, <clears throat> the property I work at is huge and the vegetable garden huge and I kind of always consider that my baby every year so other than what I need to grow I grow all kinds of extra stuff either for play or for fun or just some things grow easily but yeah I'll eat whatever whatever I grow I just take it all home especially like in tomato season and all that that's always the best oh yeah I love a fresh tomato I love the way that the tomato plant smells mm -hmm. like the leaves it's probably one of my favorites like smells that's out there. It's kind of weird, but do you? It's not so, weird. I, I get it. But then there's one bad part of that, and this is more the TV picture thing. So I'm quite pale, so I always have a ton of sunscreen on. So whenever we do any type of filming or photos in the vegetable garden, just because the leaves, you know, what obviously how tomato leaves are, and they're not 
just the smell, but they're kind of fuzzy and they're kind of fleshy. Yeah, so yeah. When you wear white sunscreen and rub up against them, even though you can't see anything on yourself there, once you get a picture taken of yourself or on camera and then look at it, you can just see streaks of like yellow and green all over your body that you can't see in person. It's weird. It like highlights it somehow. That's so saying. So let me ask you this question. So, you, you know, I said <clears throat> that you're a reality TV star. You mentioned you're on TV. So can you talk a little bit about your experience on, on TV and what, what that's been like? Well, I wouldn't really say reality TV star in the sense that <laughs> it's, you're not a real housewife. Yeah. It's not, it's not a real housewife thing. It was more, it's just my regular day to day job. And then during, I had been on TV before, like I used to have to go on QVC and sell stuff and all that kind of stuff. So that's like a whole different world right there. Um, and then, the shows that you're talking about, I wouldn't consider them reality TV because it was just pretty much the regular day-to-day stuff that we were doing. But because of Corona and stuff, they couldn't do filming in studios and stuff. So they just filmed us at the property, just going about our regular business. So other than, you know, a few things were scripted here and there, but most of it wasn't. So it's just more like another day's work and it just happens to be on camera. But isn't that the definition of reality TV? True, although we all know that all those moments on Real Housewives and all that kind of stuff. Not all of them are just of the moment. There's a lot of scriptedness and antagonizing. And I, I guess the alcohol helps in that too. Right, right, right. Where yours is just truly like you being filmed doing your job and talking about yeah. anything plants. Exactly. I mean, we had to switch a few things around depending on the season and what we're planting or like maybe we already had something in the ground, but they needed episode on something so we played with the dates a little bit but for the most part it was pretty much just the regular business as usual i love that so how how do you manage like like watching yourself on tv what is that experience like and how does it feel to be in front of the camera um i manage it by for the most part trying not to watch it because it's weird it's not so weird seeing yourself it's weird hearing yourself because it's it's a voice you obviously recognize, but not because it, it, that's the part that that's weird. And then you notice little things like habits you have or ways like I move my hands a lot when I talk and I know I do it. But when you see it on TV and I'm watching myself, I'm like, I really do it a lot. So it's just, you know, it's embarrassing in a sense. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's too funny. Yeah. So you just completely avoid it. You like you don't even watch yourself. No, and I also have an advantage to that when, like, when we were filming the shows, after they had everything filmed, they kind of put it together almost like a rough draft for us to go through if there's something that was, like, <clears throat> said incorrectly or the microphone didn't pick up something and they have you, like, say it again so, so it's just all even in the broadcast or how they have, like, little fact bubbles and all that kind of stuff pop up. Like, you have to kind of edit all of those, too. So during that rough draft, I can see it because it's just me watching it and edit mm-hmm. it. So because I see that, that right there is easily 75% of the show, how I'm going to see it on TV. So I don't actually need to watch it on television because I've already seen it. Okay. So that, makes that, it a little bit, that makes it easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's so what TV shows have you actually been on? Um, other than QVC, we did, we did two shows. Um, it technically was one show three seasons but because um that's when discovery plus came about and it switched networks um they gave it two different titles so the first two seasons were called martha knows best and the last one was called 
um, market is down and dirty. Um, so there was two of one, one of the other, but it's basically just a continuation of the same thing. Okay, so it was like seasons one and two, and then uh, Martha Gets Down and Dirty was like season one. Correct. But yeah, but really it's... season three of uh, of the first show, but just a different name. Yeah, because they moved it from, it was all on HGTV, and then that's when HGTV started splitting up, and they did Discovery Plus and all that. So because they moved it to that, they had to change the name. Right, right, with all the streaming services going on. Exactly, going on. exactly. Which all three of them are still on there now. You just type in. Martha and they all pop up. So I saw a picture on your Instagram the other day and you were traveling home from California and that show was on the plane. Did you actually watch yeah. it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. I've already I had already seen it. It was odd that that was on there too, because that was that season of it was the one that we did in the second half of the year, so it was like all the holiday episodes. So here it is end of February and they were playing like the Halloween and Christmas stuff, but I, I was flipping through. I saw it, so I took the picture and I just went past it. I also had a red eye, so I went to bed. So that's right. part of the reason why that I wouldn't have watched it. So did anyone? Did the person next to you like say anything to you on the plane? No, because as soon as I did it, I skipped down really quickly, and then when she wasn't looking. I looked back up at it, so she couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, does anyone like ever recognize you, like when you're out in public? At times, yeah, especially if I'm. Well, with, when I'm with Martha, obviously, but that's more her than me. Um, but yeah, especially like if I'm at a plant store or something. And I would say part of that's not even just recognizing me. The people will come talk to me, I think, because of how I look through stuff. I did retail for many years. I worked for Home Depot for many, many years in their plant. So I kind of know how to like shift through the, sell- the shelves and look at stuff and figure things out. So I always appear to be somebody who works there when I'm not. So I would I would say half of it's probably just because of that. And then you get the random people who know who you are. Right. And you have a blue check mark next to your name on Instagram. Uh, that... Yeah, that's been good for a while. People get excited about that for some reason. <laughs> well, it's kind of like a status thing. I'm like, you know, like, I feel like people who don't have that, like, want that. So, like, how does that feel to be like... It's like you're this like you're you're this guy that you know has kind of like a status symbol is on TV, but you're also just like a normal guy. Just a normal guy. It wouldn't be. I don't consider it a status symbol. It's just a normal person. Right, right, right. Uh-huh. Um, so as far as being recognized, uh, I just said that. I just thought of it too. Um, that happened with the house that I live in now. I've lived here for about a year and a half, so I started redoing the yard front and back, particularly the front. Um, after I first moved in and I was out there planting and doing stuff all the time. And I became friends with the neighbors and I don't tell anybody where I work and they always would see me doing the yard and saw how it started turning out. So they always would ask me questions and, um, I'm usually vague. Like if people ask me where I work, I'll just tell them, I'll just say gardener and leave it at that. Or I'll just say like Westchester or something that's the County that we're in, um, and leave it like that. So that's what I had done. And then I was doing stuff in the yard one day and the neighbor came out and was asking some client questions. And he's like, where did you say you work? And I said, oh, up in northern Westchester and stuff. He's like, oh, because I saw you on TV last night. So it kind of blew my cover. But <laughs> so he knows now. I mean, I, 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 I can appreciate your humility when it comes to, like, what you do on a daily basis. And then, you know, not going around and, like, flaunting it to people. 
Yeah, it gets weird if you flaunt it. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just planting plants and doing my thing. At least that's how I look at it. Right. Are you planting right now? Yeah, I'm planting right now. <laughs> you hear me making noise. <laughs> what are, what? Tell me about what you're planting. Well, so I was sneaky. So since I was just home in California and I like a lot of the plants there better, I half of the time I was at Botanic Gardens and at nursery. So I bought a bunch of stuff that I liked, particularly succulents, um, and packaged them up and then mailed them back here to me in New York because um, they kind of tend to handle shipping better than tropicals or anything else like that because you don't got to worry about water or anything. Right. So I unpackaged them the other day since I've been home for a few days now, and today I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to put them all in. So you're probably hearing me unpackage everything. So uh, that's that's great. I love that. <laughs> um, um, so do you keep your succulents just like on a windowsill, or what? where do you keep them in your house? Most of them in windowsills. I have to watch it. I have a cat at home who likes to eat house plants. That's actually another reason why I don't have a lot of the tropicals in the house because he'll start eating stuff. And most um, tropicals are not good for cats because of they're not. I don't want to say poisonous, but they don't agree with them well at all. So I kind of have to watch that and limit myself to things that aren't going to hurt him. And then with the succulent, most of those are perfectly fine and aren't going to be an issue. And he ignores them, so that's part. Partly one of the reason I aim that way. I mean, the other part is because they're easy and I don't have to worry about watering them very often. Right, right. I mean, yeah, that's what you do. I mean, I feel like you you go to work and you're with plants all day and then you come home. And I feel like people need a reprieve from like what they do at Exa- work every exactly. day. Exactly. And like I said before, the tropicals, all the tropical house plants I have technically at work, they're not mine, but they're there at work and they do better in the greenhouse. So it's like I'd rather have something growing as well as it can be instead of like at home struggling. Right, right, right. And, you know, I can kind of relate to that because, um, like, I everything that lives on my back lanai, so, like, I have a screened-in porch that we call, like, lanai's here in Florida, and during pretty much from, like, March to November, anything that I put out there, like, explodes. And it's kind of like a greenhouse in and of itself. And I, I notice if I keep it inside, it won't do as well. So it's, like, kind of the same concept there. Yeah, and that also has to do with the windowsills out here since it's cold because succulents, even though succulents are more like kind of deserty, arid uh, landscape plants, people always tend to forget like desert means hot, but deserts are also really cold in the winter. Like it'll snow in a desert. Desert just means it's not like raining all the time. So um, a lot of succulents can handle cold much better than tropicals can. So here, keeping stuff in the windowsills, even though you're inside the house and it's warm, the windowsills still are relatively cold. I can put stuff there or a lot of stuff lugs on the radiator. Uh, I know you don't have those down there, but the radiators have like a little wooden cover or metal cover on them and you can set stuff on it. So it's like perfect little bottom heat as long as it's something that's not going to wilt like crazy. You kind of have to go that angle. Right. Um, Tell me, are, are, so what? what is your thought on putting, like, rocks in the bottom of a pot for extra drainage? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing at this very moment. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have a, a larger shallow plant here, and I'm going to put a few of these succulents in, and I'm right now putting little rocks in the bottom of it. <laughs> I, yeah, that's that's why I asked because I I recognize that sound. A little plank at the bottom. I like I like doing it. It just gives you a little bit of a cushion because depending on what kind of pot you have and what kind of plant, especially if you have a taller narrow pot, 
all that soil in the bottom few inches usually doesn't get roots in it unless it's a really aggressive plant like a ficus or something like that. So the bottom few inches of most pots, the soil just, just tends to sit. And if you're one of those people who tends to overwater, it gets stagnant and it starts to rot out and gets nasty. So I always like putting some sort of layer of rocks or pebbles or clay or something on the bottom just to kind of help with that. Because if you have that there and you put the soil on top of it, any water is going to trickle down on the bottom and evaporate back up so it's much better for the plants for, for most plants i would say it right if you have a real shallow pot you don't really need it but i like to do it right and so you mentioned a ficus right so i know that you have like ridiculously large fiddly figs in the greenhouse yeah they tend to love it there and it's they're I ignore them most of the time, and that they seem to thrive on that. Like, I see people struggling with them in the house and doing stuff. And, I mean, I know the greenhouse obviously simulates their environment better than a regular house would on the inside, but they grow like crazy for me. Right, right. And, I mean, same for me, and I just put them out, out back, and I think it's the humidity that they love. Because anytime I bring them inside, it's like it's like a pause on the growth, but as soon as they get that extra humidity, they explode. Exactly. And I think the problem with people having them inside, and this isn't just for them, it's for most house plants. People tend to forget that in their house, they have, depending on where they live in the time of the year, they have air conditioners or heaters on. And that makes a huge difference to plants, both good and bad, usually bad. And a lot of people don't realize that. Like they might be trying to give their plants the perfect environment, but they have their heater cranking all winter long and just that dry heat most plants hate it so that's that's one reason why i think people have like the ficus with the leaves blackening and rotting off because like they see the plant looks dry from all that dry heat from the heater and stuff so then they're watering it more and that's just rotting it out so it's kind of like they're not attacking the part of the problem that they should be yeah and that's a great point i feel like like anytime someone asks about a fiddly fig or something that's going wrong with their plant it's kind of hard to tell without actually like asking them what their environment is like because everyone's environment is different yeah you have to have like all those qualifying questions and it's not just like oh my plant's dying what's wrong with it you have to figure out like what situation it is how do you take care of it or do you ignore it blah 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 it's there's lots of different particularities that can affect it then at the same time plants are like people if you can buy three of the exact same plant have them right next to each other plant them in the same type of pot have no difference at all and one of them's going to thrive and two of them will just die for no reason it's just they each have their own little habits right um you know it's interesting because when i was repotting some of my my plants earlier i think it was like last may we were chatting and i wanted to follow up with you because i used cocoa core and that like rehydrated mix had husks and chips in it and I just used that with my ficus, and I I put some um, worm castings in there, and you were wanting me to put some, like, peat in there. And I was like, no, I'm going to see how this does. And so here we are, like, a year later, and they're loving it. Oh, that's good. That's good, yes. Core kind of takes the place of peat, so if you have the core in there, that usually is fine. Peat will hold on to the water, and I know a lot of people don't like peat, so you have to watch it. So core kind of does that same thing, but in a chunkier version. So with right. perfect strategies for that. It's just yeah. more the fact of having one or the other or both, but not having either of them at all is more the problem. Right. Well, so I actually have a ficus Audrey 
cutting that I rooted and I put it in pond and it's thriving. Um, what is your experience and your opinion on hydros? My experience on what? Semi hydro, like pond and leka, all that um, stuff. That's actually what I'm putting in the bottom of this right here, just because I don't have any little pebbles near me. So I have leka on the bottom, and I actually really like it. I like how it stays moist and it holds water. It's like a nicer version of back in the day, they used to have, um, they still have them, those little crystals that look like little white, like cat litter almost and you mix them in the soil and they absorb water or sometimes you buy potting soil and it has them in it already absorbed and they kind of get jelly-like um i like leka so much better than that because i feel that the clay releases the water more naturally and does it, it, it or it also sucks it up more naturally versus like all the little little white particles and stuff they just hold on to it and get gummy and gluey and stuff right right but i feel like so I, I mean, in theory, textbook, that sounds like a great concept, right? But for me in practice, I don't use LECA. I've never used LECA um, to be transparent. But um, in the way that you're describing specifically, I feel like one would have to be very careful about watering and you'd have to be careful not to overwater. Yeah, and because especially at home, I'm more shy on the water. That's why I don't worry about it. And I also... I just use it as like the bottom substrate of it as opposed to the gravel mm. and the rock Once and stuff. It... The, only, the only other thing I used it in is like um, like in an orchid mix kind of stuff sometimes. Oh. Um, I Yeah, I can appreciate that, the whole uh, the orchid mix. So what's, what's your go-to orchid mix? I usually mix them up. There's this new one that we got. There's an orchid store near work. And it's a real chunky one. I don't know the name of the brand on it. It's just a new bag that we got, and I love it compared to most everything else. I find that most brands that you buy, um, it seems – you know how people buy, like, the landscape mulch in their yard? A lot of the brands, I feel like they sell the bigger chunks for the landscape mulch, and all the smaller pieces that fall out, they just put them in a bag, and they call them orchid mix because it's wood. And yeah. they don't usually do very well. So there's this one. It's like these little nuggets, and – and I mean, I'll, I'll find the name and send it to you and stuff, but it works really, really well for everything that we that we potted up. And you know what? I um, I like the smaller pieces because I find like when people use like people a lot of the time use like orchid bark in their mm-hmm. aeroid mixes with their soil, mm-hmm. and I I find that the bigger pieces kind of make the soil like less homogenous so the smaller pieces actually i feel like are better for the plant yeah like little small pieces like this one of these succulents just in front of me here right now like if <clears throat> looking at the soil it looks more like chunks of wood to me than soil and like when you go out in the garden like if you dig down that's just more dirt but the ideal um mix you want to have for anything isn't going to be this perfect homogenous really fine mix because that's what gets bogged down and compacted like the more you go into that realm the more you get into the characteristics of something like clay where like it gets wet and it compacts and it compacts and it compacts so for most anything that you plant be it inside outside in the ground whatever you want a mix that is all different textures and shapes and all that kind of stuff just the, the roots need places to go and as long as you have like little air tunnels and stuff for them it makes their job easier to grow and instead of instead of fighting to like move a few inches they can just go where they want to and that's going to be a bigger plant 
Right. So you're so you're saying that the bigger wood chips are actually better for 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 soil mixtures. Uh, it, it depends. I mean, it's kind of a case by case basis. I wouldn't. It depends on how big they are. I wouldn't say the really really huge ones on the orchids they do fine. Um, I like kind of the more medium ones or the ones that are just more like flakes or that kind of stuff mixed in with the with the the soil, that's what it does better for the houseplants and stuff. Like the aeroids, like you said, particularly like that. Yes, yeah. Um, I found some pre-mixes. Like, I'm still kind of getting the hang of, like, my watering schedule with some of these uh, aeroid mixes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, these... Um, what is... Let me ask you this. What is your preferred aeroid mix? I mix everything myself for anything like i never go to the store and just buy like one bag of whatever type of mix that i see and grab it and use that straight i it's almost like baking to me i'll buy a few different kinds a few different components i'll have a bag of sand i'll have a bag of of wood chunks whatever it is and i will mix them together like in a larger tub and just as i'm going it's the same as like cooking like you add a bit more salt you add a bit more of this i'm like throwing a bit more of this in or that in and i just kind of base it on look and on texture and depending on on the plant like if i bought the plant like at an actual nursery i'll look at the mix that it's growing in and i'll try it and if the plant looks healthy and fine and it's really well rooted i'll just try to emulate that mix as best as i can so it's kind of a case-by-case basis um versus if you go to like if you're buying stuff like at a box store or something like that, depending on who the vendor is, sometimes the plants are just like stuck in a container of the soil that, that, that they don't like growing in. So you can kind of tell that as well. But I just I just kind of mix it up as I go. I, I love that. I mean, I try to do that, but sometimes I'm like, let me just like throw some like potting soil in with some extra perlite and like call it a day or like some I mean, I, park I, or something. I've done that too because sometimes when you have like all the little bags sitting around with a little bit in each different one, it's like yeah. See what it is. One thing that I always recommend, though, that people don't always seem to do, that I've noticed helps a lot, especially if you're doing stuff for like a potted plant inside, is in addition to mixing everything up like in a large container and mixing up your mix before you put it in the pot, before you put the plant in it, get it wet, get it really wet because it's never going to soak up as much water once you have it potted and planted than it will be like when you have it in the mixing tub. So if you get it initially wet first, not like soaking wet where it's like muddy, but just get it really wet the first time and then pot your plant and it'll be so much easier to keep it at a good moisture level versus putting it in there dry and always trying to rehydrate and it just doesn't work. That's a great tip. That's probably like one of the most like underrated tips when like repotting plants or just like like working with houseplants in general. Um, and I, I find so many people struggle with like keeping their peat hydrated because it dries mm-hmm. out and then it can, it can become hydrophobic and it's just a pain in the butt to rehydrate. And usually it's because they didn't hydrate it initially. I mean, there's sometimes if it's something really chunky or <clears throat> I don't have orchids at home. I'm not the biggest orchid fan, I'll admit. But like even with orchid bark, when I'm planting stuff at work, um, especially the bales that come compressed, I'll put them in a bucket. I'll fill the bucket up with water and I'll let it sit for a couple hours or I'll even let it sit overnight so that it's fully soaked. 
before I incorporate it into stuff or the bins of soil that I make, I'll mix stuff together and then I'll soak it. I'll mix it and I'll let it sit a little bit just to kind of hydrate. Almost like how I guess people do when they make bread, they like mix the water and the flour, then they just let it rest for a while to hydrate the same exact thing. And you'll have such an easier time keeping it um, moist once it's in the pot and growing as opposed to constantly trying to get it wet. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a great idea. Um, and you know, like for me, I just, sometimes I, I do things so fast sometimes that like, I forget to do that. And then I water the plant and then I'm like watching, I like lose patience because I'm watching the plant, I'm watering the plant after I potted it and I'm trying to get it hydrated and it's not, it's not getting to where I want it to be. So I guess a tip for everyone at home that wetting your soil before you actually mix it in with the plant is probably the way to go. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't do that and you have a problem keeping it hydrated, like you're talking about, um, if you have the plant like sitting on the shelf or whatever, and you're trying to hydrate it by like using a watering can, pouring water in it, that's never going to work because the watering can is only going to get that little spot of it, that little spot wet, or even if the whole surface of it fills up with water, once it starts trickling in, once it hits about an inch down, it kind of funnels down towards one little spot to begin with and leaves huge dry pockets. So if you are having that kind of trouble, the easiest thing to do is just put them in the bathtub and turn the shower on. And especially if you have one of the showers where the handle comes off and you can spray even closer, put it all in the bathtub, wash everything down. That's the easiest way to soak it all. You don't have to worry about the mess because it's the tub and it goes down the drain, all the water. And at the same time, you can rinse the plants off because plants get way, way more dusty inside the house than you might realize. It's just mm -hmm. like in your face. It gets the pores get clogged and everything. So it's kind of like a, win-win for that i just did some of those today actually i that i've actually been i've i've been dealing with that issue with uh, my lemon lime maranta and mm -hmm. the soil was hydrophobic and i was trying to rehydrate it and i i had it in the sink and then it wasn't you know i was rinsing the water uh, i was rinsing the soil and that wasn't working and then i bottom watered it and that didn't really work and at the end of the day it's it's really old soil, so I it really just needs to be repotted. But I ended up getting it soaked in the. I brought it in the shower with me, and I took the like my my uh, handheld shower fixture, and I just like completely soaked it. That's the way to do it. I mean, what you said as far as repotting it, that's like the real way to go. But like in the meantime, if you're not like able to at that moment, then just do it in the shower. That buys you some time by a few weeks. And then with the first chance you get, just repot it like. I'll repot things inside more often than you would think just because the soil just starts to get nasty inside much more than it does outside, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now it's springtime, you know, we're approaching springtime. So a lot of people are recommending that like now is the time to repot some of your plants. <laughs> so, um, what, what's, what's your take on like repotting and fertilizing during the winter? I do most of it during the winter for a couple of reasons. Um, it depends on the plant. There's some plants that go dormant during the winter or whatever, but like in the later months of winter, when it gets into like February, that's like the ideal time to, to transplant houseplants. In my job, because spring is like my busiest season, I don't have time to transplant houseplants in the spring because I'm already outside doing all that kind of stuff. So part yeah. of the reason I do it in the winter because that's like the lightest time of the year and the easiest time of the year to do it. Plus, when you do it then, that gives them a little bit of time to start growing. And then 
the sun has already changed, so it's going to activate them to grow versus trying to do it like in November when you really don't want to put a lot of new growth on plants and they kind of want to take a little break. So I like doing it in late winter or, I mean, obviously throughout the year as they need it. But as far as a big bulk replanting, late winter is the best, I feel. Wow. That's contrary to like what everyone else says on social media. Yeah, but I think also, too, part of it is it's not just those particular plants of their in and of themselves. It's just because of all the other stuff I have going on. But I also, in the greenhouses at least, because you're limited on space, you don't want stuff to grow. So I'll kind of trick things into going to different types of dormancy or certain plants. I'll stop watering to trigger them to go dormant in the time that I need them to go dormant. Like one of the greenhouses, we have a bunch of fig trees, like the edible type of figs, and they're in pots. And um, here in the Northeast, they'll go dormant in the winter and then they'll pop up again. So in the wind, so right now they're starting to push some leaves out and I don't want them to get really, really bushy because it's still like a good two months or so before they can go outside. So I withhold water on them so that they're barely putting any leaves out. So they're still like in this halfway asleep, half dormant, half not stage. Because if I just started watering them every day, they'll push out like it's springtime and they'll crowd each other and get bugs and all that kind of stuff. So I do a lot of things that aren't technically how you should do it, but just how it, works best for me right and i mean these are such great tips because what i think is interesting is that you're saying that you don't want your plants to grow where everyone else wants their plants to get huge and you're over here like i don't i have this plant but i don't want it to to put out new leaves it's not that i don't want it to grow it's i don't want it to grow at the time that doesn't work for me right right (laughs) No, you've you've got it down. I mean, you, you know, you're a professional here, so like you've you've got your ways. I feel you need to make more educational videos on social media. Yeah, I just get a little bit too busy, but uh, I'll try to do more of that this year. <laughs> I want to see some reels in. I mean, you you posted one reel, I think, of uh, for Fiddly Fig Friday a few weeks ago, oh, which was awesome, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah but I, I have some old school stuff too, like. They, they did these at work. It, it was very all vegetable garden related. So I found some. They're from like 10 years ago of all these reels they had. Or not reels. They were just like little two-minute videos um, that they did of me at work, like how to how to stake up your tomatoes or how to, how to thin carrots or all that kind of stuff. So there's little stuff that exists that we did years ago. So it's I, I do need to do more of them on my own now that it's more commonplace. Right. Yeah, I would definitely love to see you put out some like, ed- I mean, you're, you're such a wealth of knowledge. And I feel like, you know, the plant community would love to learn from you. Well, maybe I'll put out more. And while I'm doing that, you can come and do all the weeding for me. So I don't have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how can we? Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Um, I, I just need to book my flight. And then we need to find a hotel for me to stay at in the area. And then we can maybe schedule a brunch in the greenhouse. totally down for all of that one day one day um so what are some of your favorite plants um you talk about plants in general like outside and stuff yeah i mean like i mean you're you're a plant guy so like you know outside of house plants right uh, there's kind of like that house plant niche and then there's Um, like you know flowers and vegetables like what would I, I ask everyone, like, if you were to be one plant, what would you be? So I guess that kind of aligns with, like, what's your favorite plant? Like, what plant is, a, like, aligns with you? 
people ask me that all the time and I, I don't have a favorite plant. It's I have different favorite plants throughout the year, depending on what the season is and what's blooming and what's not. So I kind of, I kind of change as I go. Um, a lot of my stuff also I base on, I guess since I've always garden from a young age, I have lots of plants, like not plants that are necessarily special or rare or anything like that. Just plants that I remember being around when I was a kid that, that are like my favorites more, I guess more for nostalgia and all that kind of stuff. Like something simple, like for house plants, I love spider plants, which is just like a regular, you know, almost a throwaway plant for so many people, but my dad always had tons of them and I've always had them around growing up. So to me, it's more, I don't think it's that plant in particular. It's just more, I guess, like memories and stuff associated with it. So a lot of my stuff right. goes in with that. <clears throat> like um, outside, I like, outside, I like roses, which I know is a common answer, but I don't like, uh, not just like a regular, like long stem red rose kind of stuff like that. I like all the weirdos. I like the, the striped ones or the ones that have the colors that aren't supposed to be there. Like, like <clears throat> ones that have like purple and brown and orange mixed together or, um, one of my favorite ones is called the green rose. This is old rose from like the 1700 and it de- doesn't have any real petals on it. It was like a mutation from years ago. So where, everywhere that there's supposed to be a petal, it's a leaf. So it's like this green rose, but it's really just a whole bunch of uh, little leaves and stuff on it. So I like weird stuff like that. No, that's cool. That's very unique. Well, you, you kind of have like a spectrum, right? So you said spider plants and then this like unique rose. And it's funny you mentioned that like their spider plants are throwaway plants for most people because I literally just threw mine away like three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know people do it. Like I like poppas. Like everyone else is like, oh, that's like the easiest thing. And it's like I like it just because it was always around and it was easy. And that's it's a lot of our plants that like how I got into gardening. They're the plants like the teacher plants. The plants that are easy for kids that aren't that are hard to kill. Right. So because that's the stuff I got used to, I like a lot of the stuff. I mean, I like new and weird plants and all that kind of stuff. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's right. stuff like that. Like right. how you were talking about rooting your ficus and stuff with water and all that kind of stuff. When I was a kid, I used to have a fish tank, and so I remember breaking off pieces of the pothos and sticking them in the fish tank. Like, I'd smudge the whole plant. Like I'd break off a whole a whole long runner of it, um, no roots or anything. I'd throw it. I completely submerge the entire thing in the fish tank and they would root up and they would grow underwater perfectly fine. So I have like weird little memories like that. And that kind of bases my decisions, I guess. Right. No. And you know what? I feel like a lot of, I mean, I I've actually given that response before. It's very like plants can hold this nostalgia with them. And so Mm -hmm. like a certain plant may bring a certain memory back for you and it's unique to you and your plant journey where someone else may have a different memory associated with it. Exactly. So, so that's that where a lot of mine come from. Yeah. Um, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I, I know that like, um, like my pothos here, I'm just like, I, I kind of associate it with just like the, the plant that I would see like in a mall or like, just used as like indoor decor but over the past few years i've actually grown to appreciate them and now i can kind of relate to um what others appreciate them because the like the variegation in them is stunning when they get the right light and when they just and they're very prolific and they're easy to take care of and if you give them a support pole like they will easily climb up it and their leaves just get ginormous 
Exactly, with all these like rare and special plants that people are trying to get to grow, and then something that's like yeah, it's common and every day, but it technically doesn't look a whole lot different than a lot of the other rare plants, and it's so much easier to grow. It's like unless you're like wanting the challenge, that's part of it. But if you're not wanting the challenge, like grow what's easy to grow instead of fighting something. Exactly. Um, so, what are some of like the more uncommon plants that are in? Yeah, I I agree there. Um, let me ask you this. What are some of your more like uncommon types of plants that you have in the greenhouse? Like, do you have any like cool philodendrons or anthuriums? Yeah, we have, um, I've gotten really bad on names. I used to be the one years and years ago. I was the one who knew every botanical name to everything. And then over the years, because I don't have to use it every day with people, I've kind of like, it's like a language, like you kind of forget it when you're not using it every day. So I've become really bad on that. But um, yeah, we have a few anthuriums. Yeah. Um, we have, there's some neat uh, philodendrons that we have, some like real chartreuse ones. And I'll take a picture for you tomorrow. This one, it's, it's a real fluorescent chartreuse kind of color. And I just noticed the other day, one random leaf on it decided to sport and just like this random dark like forest green streak going right down the middle that is not supposed to be there but looks really cool so i might try to cut that off and see if i can get it to continue doing that and stuff so there's always all kinds of like real weirdo and unusual stuff there's lots of unusual succulents in the greenhouse there's a lot of that actually and stuff so and then some of the stuff too there's like small versions of like i said being from la a lot of the plants are are to me, the greenhouse ones aren't so exciting because it's the plant that I know grows huge outside at home. So I was doing that with my assistants the other day when I was in California. I was sending them pictures as I'm just walking through the streets of L.A. of like the exact same plant we're growing in the greenhouse. But instead of like a little specimen, like six inches tall, here's like one outside that's like 20 feet tall and whatever. So you kind of get skewed a little bit. At least I do. Right. And I, I mean, that's, what's great about like plants is like you, you can have them as a small specimen in your collection. And then when you see them in the wild, mm-hmm. it's absolutely mind blowing. Exactly. Like we had some aeoniums that work. Those are those, uh, those are the succulents that almost look like a flower. They're almost, they're not petals, but they look like petals to lace and stuff. Yeah. And we yeah. have a bunch of new ones that work and they're, I don't know, a foot tall or whatever. There's some purple ones and pretty ones and pretty ones and stuff. And then. I was back home and they're just literally growing on the side of the road, like, like nothing, like as an afterthought, not like in a landscape and they're massive and huge and, and a couple feet across versus like these little tiny ones in the greenhouse trying to struggle. So. Right. I mean, that's like, (laughs) that's like if you go down to Miami or like South Florida, you see Monsteras growing like on the sidewalk and like they're a common lawn ornament. Um, we're, we're like, um, it, what I've noticed actually South Florida is like on the, on the East coast is more Monstera and then like West coast is more tree philodendron. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. There's like no Monstera is like, like from Tampa all the way down to Naples. It's like all over. Yeah. I, um. I think it's because we don't have that or the, the, there's not a big breeze. So it's, um, it's more like stagnant heat, which is why tropicals don't do well. So well, like on the West coast of Florida. Yeah. 
Well, I'm much more a fan of the tree philodendrons over a monstera any day. I'll hit that one. So, and I know you just yours just frosted outside. I saw your video. Oh, I know. I'm so disappointed about that. I'm I'm actually debating. I'm like, do I dig it up? You know, I'm, it's so big. There's three of them, and there's like it's like Papa Bear, Mama Bear, and then like the little one that like refuses to grow. But I think I'm just gonna chop all of the, literally all of the leaves turn brown. So I'm just gonna chop all of them off, and it's already unfurling a new one. And by the time like summer ends, it'll have a bunch of new ones because they're so prolific. Yeah, like those. That actually, I would say that is one of my favorite plants, just because I've grown up with that. My dad always had those. So even in California, where it's drier, it was humid enough. It's like that perfect little combo of it. Those grew great. We had it growing out in the backyard, and it didn't really frost where I was from, kind of, kind of, but it didn't really ever affect them. And like the one that was in our backyard was easily, I'd say, <clears throat> ten feet tall, maybe and stuff and that's one of the ones i have pictures of me next to them like through the years i have pictures of me next to them like from like a year ago and i have pictures of me next to them when i was like three years old and stuff like that so um i've grown a lot of them and i would say just chop the outer leaves off and leave it alone because they they come back much more rarely than you think they would awesome that's so encouraging so i'm definitely going to do that then and if i'm like center, as long as the center part doesn't get mushy you're fine yeah, yeah. No, it's, I mean, like, the new leaf that's unfurling is already green. Like, the tip of it is a little bit brown, but um, it's it's in good shape. I'm just sad that I lo- it lost all of those leaves. Like, it's it's disheartening. Yeah, but they'll push it out soon enough, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. Like, yeah. The key within most plants, too, I mean, I know that's a frost that kind of changes it, but as long as the plant's not mushy, and that, that goes for houseplants too with people overwatering and stuff, a plant can mm-hmm. dry out, and half of the time if something dries out and you start putting water in again, it'll come back, it'll start regrowing from the bottom, but once it's rotted, it's done. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I noticed that with, with my plumeria, that also died again because it wasn't covered. I didn't think that the frost was going to be that cold because we had three last year and only the third one last year was the one that killed the plants. But this year was just like one and done, but the plumeria turns mushy and you just have to, and it rots mm-hmm. and you just have to cut it all the way back. So sad. Exactly. You just have to go down to wherever it is and, and cut it out. But I mean, at the end of the day, 32 is that magic number. Once it hits 32 or like within a few degrees of that, all the water cells inside the plant will crystallize. So even if it looks fine, once they kind of soften, once they, uh, warm up the next day they just kind of liquefy and stuff so it, it's all it takes is like one or two degrees to make a huge difference right and you can kind of see that damage like occur over like a two-week period of time like you won't see it happen the day after it'll be like two weeks and then the plant will be brown and you're like wait this is just green it's so sad. exactly you think it's like you have time to go and then all of a sudden it just starts declining declining you're like oh this isn't working yeah yeah um do you guys ever have issues in the greenhouse with the temperatures yeah like i have to regulate stuff there's five greenhouses there's two metal and glass ones which are run by computer systems so those ones are easier because i can control the windows what to do at different levels the plastic ones you can't it's just like a regular thermostat where you just set it to a temperature and if it's above that temperature inside then nothing is on and if it goes below that temperature it heats up until it gets to that temperature but it's like a little game i have to check everything every day and adjust it like week by week it's 
especially this time of year, um, since it's starting to warm up. So even though it's still really cold outside, it's sunny. So it gets hotter in the greenhouses than you think. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like, it's like a little game. You just kind of learn how to deal with it. What's the magic temperature in the greenhouse? It all depends on the plants because we have different ones. Like I have one greenhouse that has all like the 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 succulents and the agaves and all the more deserty kind of stuff in it. There's another one that has all of the tropicals. So and it also depends on where they're located. One of the greenhouses is like in half shade, so that one I don't have to mess with as much. And then the one that's really hot. So I'd say I try to keep everything around. At, 65 to 75 somewhere in there but there there really isn't a magic magic temperature it just depends on what you have in there or the season of it like one greenhouse we grow vegetables in it and when i'm trying to grow lettuce and spinach and all the greens like that i want to keep it around 60 degrees because that's what they like uh versus if i had tomatoes or something in there i want to keep it around 80 degrees so it, it all just kind of depends Interesting. Yes. Slipping a switch. I'm like, oh, 65 and done. You got to think about it and play with it. Yeah. I mean, you have like, you're juggling so many different kinds of plants. So it would make sense to kind of like need to stay on top of everything. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I know we're, um, approaching the top of the hour here. Um, I, I, like I said, I asked everyone two questions at the end of the, the chat and I've already asked you, we opened up with, well, you said, I, so I usually ask people who they would want to meet. Like what plant influencer would you want to meet? And I feel like you're like in this like unique category of like social media personality, right? You're not like, you're not, you're not someone that's like sitting in their house, like me making content about their house plans. You're someone who does this like for a living and you're so knowledgeable and you're, you bring so much to the table. So let me ask you this, like, opening up like all the doors, like who would you want to meet in the plant space that you haven't met yet? There really isn't one person or one thing. It's, it's kind of like what you're talking about over the past couple of years in particular, I made all these little internet friends in the plant world, like that whole like little online plant community we have. So I would say Mm -hmm. it would just be going across and all the people I've talked with for the past couple of years, at some point meeting them in person and stuff, which I've done before. Some of my friends on there I've met in person and we have become good friends or we'll go plant shopping or an advantage of living in New York. It seems that people always at some point tend to pass through New York for one reason or another. So whenever anybody passes through New York, they hit me up and, even if it's as simple as meeting them downtown and going to like the farmer's market or something, I'll do that. So it would just be continuing to meet all of those online friends that I've made over the past couple of years. Right. Right. And I, and I agree with you. I mean, there's so many people that like have such a different perspective and they, there's so many plants and a lot, I think like um, different folks have different like specialties, if you will, or different like favorites. So just like learning more about the different types of plants that they keep and like their habits. And I'm always learning. Like, I feel like this is like, like I can, you know, we can, we can teach people on social media, but I feel like we ourselves are always learning too. And that's how you kind of like stay abreast of everything. Oh, absolutely. I'm learning all the time. I mean, and I've learned a tons of stuff online from the, from people who, you know, I do it as a career and I'm, I'm learning all the time by all means. I don't know anything and stuff so that's that's the best way to do it always meeting new people to learn different things and find out what techniques and tricks that they found out along the way and then adapting them to what you do 
right? Yeah, and that's that's a good thing about the plant community is we're all here to learn from each other. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and experimenting because, like you know, what works for you may not work for me, and vice versa, or whatever. And partly that's just because of the nature of that particular plant or the environment or whatever. So it's learning different tricks and just trying them out and seeing what works. Right, exactly. So, hey, Ryan, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today. Yes, it's been great. I... Thanks for having me call in. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> I about see... it for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm actually glad that we got to chat because, like, we've been chatting for so long, and this is the first time that we've actually got to connect, like, verbally, which exactly. is cool. No, I'm glad, too. It's overdue. And I, knew, and I know you're a busy guy, so um, – Hopefully, you know, I'd love to have you on again sometime in the future if you're up for it. So um, I'll have to schedule Absolutely. you a few months out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can have a few more people talk with us. That would work, yeah, if you want to do And some, we can have like uh, a group a chat or something. Or something. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be we'll fun. have to figure that out offline. <laughs> okay, perfect. All right, well, I, I hope you, you have a great rest of your Sunday and we'll talk soon.